think oftentimes we uh, we don't uh, fully appreciate how much the worship time really means to us, um, or should mean to us, or, or those who are leading in worship. So I want to thank the ladies for doing a great, uh, great job in leading us this morning. And uh, truly, they were lifting us right to the heavens of heavens, right? Right to the presence of Almighty God. Ah, what a feat. <laughs> and then I thought, sometimes you kind of like, you're thinking as a preacher or someone pastoring or, or, or just delivering a message like this, you think, you wonder, do I have the right message? <laughs> Devil's always in your ear picking at you. Oh, it's never good enough, you know, not Satan. But you wonder, and then you, you see what was selected, and it just confirms everything that I was thinking beforehand, weeks beforehand. So anyway, so I want to just say that the worship time is so important. It lifts us to the presence of God, and then it is the duty of the pastor, the preacher, the teacher to be able to bring the reality of Jesus Christ and who he is and his very presence. It's a very daunting task, <laughs> you know, when you think about that. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to hopefully bring the reality of who Jesus Christ is. Um, sometimes we can lose focus and uh, forget what he's like. We sometimes will focus either too much on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ or we will get to the other end where we may focus too much on um, judgment as well. Because he is a God of justice and a God of wrath. He is also a God of righteousness and his purity is unrivaled. There is no sin. And so just having a balance, having a balance look. So we're going to look at Christ today and uh, how he is in our midst and all we have to do is reach out to him by faith. Reach out to him. He's in our midst and uh, you can't see him. The reality of his presence is is real. If you've experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, so we're going to find out about that a bit this morning. And I've entitled this message this morning, uh, The Reachers That Were Reached. The Reachers That Were Reached. Let's take a moment to pray. Our Heavenly Father, we uh, are thankful that uh, we have an incredible and amazing Savior. We thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thankful, Lord, uh, for the reality of, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all one. And we thank you that we are not alone in this world. Uh, Lord, uh, our Lord Jesus, when you went into the very presence of God, you were seated at the right hand of the Father, full majesty and splendor. And uh, Lord, you're coming back again. But we're thankful until that time, the Holy Spirit resides in each believing heart and gives us power to live. And I think sometimes, Lord, we forget the reality of your presence. So Holy Spirit, just uh, have your way in our lives today. Speak through your word in Christ's name. The reachers that were reached. Children, um, especially babies, sometimes, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I, I don't have much luck holding babies. Oftentimes, and you even look at them, I don't know if you've had that experience, they cry. <laughs> Some may have that charismatic uh, charisma to them that the baby just automatically is like, oh, I want to jump into your arms. But that's not always the case, never been the case for me. It's kind of rare when a child willingly receives, me at least, <laughs> um, on occasion, maybe a little baby would, but some unknown reason, they just don't want to reach out to you. And uh, I don't know about you, but when you meet a little baby, and it's like, if that's the case, and then all of a sudden there's one that actually 
allows you to hold them or, or will look at you without crying. Well, that's quite a treat, really, right? And uh, so when they're willingly allowing you uh, to reach out of, your, of their own accord, they're trusting you enough, a child may be uh, injured or maybe they're scared and they, they trust you enough that you're able to help them. That's a good feeling, isn't it? And uh, you just kind of get a little bit of a glimpse of how we are as human beings. It starts really small, really young, right from infancy, and it goes up into our adulthood. Jesus had people that he had all around him when he was here on earth. When he was here physically, uh, there were individuals that um, wanted to see him. There were a lot of individuals who didn't want to see him and wouldn't reach out to Jesus. And that's the case it is today, um, 2,000 years later, as we await his second coming. And I assure you, Christ is coming again. And he will be coming in great power and glory. He will receive his bride, his church. And one day he will, and my eschatology tells me, at least from my point of view, I understand that Jesus will reign in Jerusalem. He will be the king, as he is in the heavenly places. So the earth will experience that as well. And I think Pastor Jeremy's been doing a terrific uh, um, sharing as far as the, the king, who the king is, and his king is coming again. And we need to be ready and what kind of manner of person ought we to be as we understand his coming again? So when we think of individuals today, they reach out to Jesus, some willingly, um, because we've heard the truth. Uh, but there are many, when they hear of Jesus, have no desire or earnest need, no felt need to ever reach out to Jesus. It's kind of puzzling. I... For a long time, I've been known the Lord, and the Lord has known me, and I'm very um, humble when I say it. I'm, I'm a very fortunate man <laughs> to know the Savior, and uh, maybe you can, uh, you can relate to this. Um, but many do not humble themselves before the Lord of glory. Many, even knowing of the reality of Jesus, willingly shake their fist at him or cuss him out or use his name as a cuss word. And, and just constantly we're reminded that many will not reach out to Jesus. Many do not. <clears throat> but there are people that reached out to Jesus in the scriptures here. Um, they found a place in Christ's heart. And it's the people who reached out in faith, who believed who he was, who believed what they had heard about Jesus, who believed and they received great blessings from the Lord himself. And I ask you this morning, are, are you one of the ones who willingly reaches out to our Lord and Savior? Are you reaching out to him today? Are you reaching out through the week? Are you reaching out? You might think that Jesus, I don't know, Jesus doesn't hear me. Um, I may feel as though, or you may feel as though the, the heavens are silent. You may think that Jesus doesn't care. But I assure you, what we see in the scriptures tells us very much that Jesus is one who seeks to save, to save the lost, but he seeks to have relationship with his own creation as creator. Uh, and he's always willing to receive us. So there's some individuals that we're going to look at this morning that we're going to call the reachers. These are people who reached out to Jesus and were in turn reached by Jesus. And I encourage you as we look at each individual as well, that you yourselves would reach out to him in faith. So let's turn to our Gospel of Luke. Let's turn to the Gospel of Luke. And we are going to chapter 8, verse 43. <clears throat> and we're going to look at this 
as we go. I'm not going to read it beforehand, but we'll bring explanation as I read the verses, and you can just follow along with me, and uh, we'll make it easy peasy. So we're going to turn to the story here of a woman who literally reached out in faith. And she reached out in faith, if only to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And they're usually what they had was either the hem of the garment or the little tassels would be on the garment. And um, reminded the, the Jewish people as well, especially in this case, Jesus being a teacher, a rabbi in essence, uh, according to the Jewish people. Uh, he spoke with authority. And so, yeah, it was a pretty amazing. You know, there were individuals that reached out to touch Jesus. And this woman is one we're gonna focus on right now. Now what are the chances of gaining an audience with the king of all kings? <laughs> if we think of his public ministry, he was thronged by people. There were so many. When word got about, and when he went about healing, and teaching, and preaching, and there were dead that were raised. The word got about, didn't it? And they were coming to Jesus. And in verse 41, uh, Jesus encountered Jairus in Luke 8, uh, 41. Jesus encountered Jairus, whose 12-year-old daughter was deathly ill. We could focus on, on him. We're not going to focus on him. But he had barely a chance to address Jairus' daughter's situation when he met this faith-filled lady. And she comes right out here in verse 43. Now just follow with me. Luke 8, 43. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of Jesus' garment. So this woman, we can read into this passage, we get a basic understanding. She has tried everything she has known for relief. She spent all she had in medical treatment, no question. She probably had lost all hope of ever being healed of this issue of blood or this flow of blood, this issue she was having. It was hampering her life. And societally, it was hampering her in society. But here was Jesus. Jesus had entered this woman's life. Now, how did she know about Jesus? Had she heard, like the others, that he had healed individuals? Had she known of the coming Messiah through the scriptures, through the Old Testament, through the Torah? We don't know. But what we do know... Um, you can jot this down, Mark 5, 27 and 28 also speaks of this. Uh, Mark writes, When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in a crowd and touched his garment, for she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So she had heard about Jesus. She had heard about him. She was in a difficult position because with this particular problem she had health-wise, it prevented her from really being a part of the family, the, the Israelite people, the Jewish worship, uh, whether it was in the temple or in the synagogue. Uh, you were basically considered unclean, ceremonially unclean because of this issue of blood. And so she couldn't worship like everybody else. And you could say she was likely shunned by many in society because many would cast judgment and say, oh, she probably has that because she is sinful or we don't know. You know how people can be, right? But she was an outcast in essence. And she thought maybe the Lord had abandoned her. But her hope was renewed in the presence of Jesus. And so she reached out to Jesus. And verse 44, it says, Immediately her flow of blood stopped. When she touched the border or the hem or the tassels of his garment, her blood stopped. 
And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes are thronging you, and you press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Now imagine what it would have felt like in that moment. She must have thought, maybe I've done wrong. Maybe I should not have touched the master. Maybe I shouldn't have reached out and touched his clothing. And verse 47 says, Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him, and she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she had been healed immediately. She knew. She had been healed immediately in that moment. But you see, this woman had done no wrong. Jesus was not seeking to scold her or reprimand her, but that she might come forth and that he might be able to give her a word of assurance, to assure her of her incredible faith was one that he received. The Lord received her as she reached out to him. Uh, Verse 48, And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And you could say his statement, Your faith has made you well, or your faith has made thee whole, means she has literally, in many ways, been rescued. She'd been rescued. Jesus knew that she needed to know that it was her faith, her implicit trust in, trust in him, that he received her as well. And he wanted her to identify herself. He wanted to comfort her. He wanted to cheer her and commend her, you could say. She needed to know that she was a beloved daughter of the Most High God. By faith, we are adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. She needed to hear that. She needed to have that affirmation. She was rescued here in this moment by Jesus. And you might think, how does that apply to me? Well, maybe you're in a place where you feel you don't have any hope. Maybe you've suffered some infirmity of body or mind. You're led to believe that no one can help you. And of course, Satan is constantly trying to deceive us and deceive you to believe that Jesus will not intervene in your life either. And you question. Or you may be in a place in your life where your sin is too horrible and you think, Jesus has no interest in forgiving me. Or you've been away from the Lord for too long and you think, There's no way the Lord would receive me now. That's how the enemy works, doesn't he? Causes us to doubt him. We listen to voices that tell us that God doesn't care, and yet we understand in reality that Jesus does indeed care for us. He's a personal and a relational God. Don't think for a moment that Jesus is beyond your reach. That's what Satan wants us to believe. Jesus is beyond our reach. And how far from the truth is that? Amen? How far from the truth is that? I encourage you to reach out. And I think all of us, from time to time, we need to hear Jesus' reassuring voice saying, Son or daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Or your faith has saved you. Your trust in me, you're you're forgiven. We need to hear those words from Jesus. And of course, the Gospels enable us to hear directly as he spoke to others. We can apply that in our own lives as well. So I encourage you this morning to don't hold back, but to literally reach out to Jesus. Reach out in desperation. There's times when we feel desperation. We feel we can't do anything about our situation. Reach out. Reach out. Even if it were, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Reach out to him. Many learn from this dear woman, and certainly her testimony 
no doubt encouraged many others to do as she had done. Mark 6, 56 says this, Wherever Jesus entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. They were made well. Don't be ashamed to to reach out to Jesus. In this case, this was a sick individual or one who was infirm. Don't hesitate to call on the great physician. Don't hesitate. Now, the Lord may not always heal. That is his decision, his implicit will. But trust him, whether, whether or not he heals. Trust his wisdom. Continue to reach out to Jesus in your prayers. Continue to reach out to Jesus by reaching out to a brother or sister of precious like faith. Find encouragement within the body of believers. As we sang the chorus there about loving one another, that's part of it. Sometimes we have to let our inhibitions down and and just trust each other. Find encouragement from each other. And you'll find that Jesus will be there in the midst. And he will bring the comfort that you need to cheer you on. Notice, too, this is one point I thought about, is that she heard about Jesus. That's the whole reason that she had been there in the first place. Somehow she heard the word about Jesus being there or about who he was or who they thought he was, but nevertheless, she wouldn't have been in that place in that time if she did not hear about him. Well, that takes people, as you can guess, to tell about Jesus. People need to hear about Jesus in order to know that, hey, I could reach out to Jesus too. I could touch the hem of his garment. And oftentimes we fail to think of that. I was reminded of that this week. I try to remind myself as I pray, I'm driving to work, can't, and I'm thinking, you know, Lord, I'm not moved by those that are all around me all day long Yes, I got some believers that I work with at Kent, but there's many do not know the Lord and they're quite openly proud and proficient in using his name in a very derogatory manner, as once I did many moons ago. And I'm humbled by the reality that somehow, by the grace of God, Jesus passed by me and I reached out by faith and touched the hem of his garment, as it were, But there's these people that we work with and in our community and in our home sometimes. There could be an individual uh, in our family that they haven't heard about this Jesus. Yeah, he's some fictional Bible character that they think of. That's it. Don't give him any thought or he's the favorite cuss word, but they don't realize the reality of who he is. They need to hear, don't they? Reach out to Jesus. This woman was one who was reached by Jesus as she reached out to him. And let's turn to Luke chapter 19. So we see this sick individual, but we're also going to find in Luke 19, verse, uh, excuse me, 1 to 10, we're going to find a seeker here. In verse 1 of Luke 19, we turn here to the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He was rich, the scripture says. Now, if anyone knows a little bit of uh, the history behind this, or you've been exposed to it, and maybe you haven't, but tax collectors were not well liked. In fact, this man was a Jewish tax collector, but he was employed by Rome itself, which was occupying the Holy Land. And so they were being ruled and reigned over um, by Rome itself. These were Gentile 
individuals. These were not the Jewish people. And so they didn't have the freedoms. And so Zacchaeus here was an individual as a tax collector, was considered by his countrymen to be a traitor to his people. He was a traitor. Tax collectors were representatives of the evils of Rome. He profited off the backs of his own people. He was fraudulent in his dealings with people as he collected their taxes. Do you wonder how he got all his wealth? And it says here, and we'll see, that he received it off the backs of his own people. And he no doubt, um, I heard one commentator, as I read, he probably purchased his position of prominence as well. So they despised him. Verse 7 says, when they saw it, they all complained, the people. He has gone to be a guest who is a sinner. Jesus was going to be going to his house, but this man was a filthy tax collector. Interestingly enough, if we understand, um, this reality comes out too. Zacchaeus, even though he was a tax collector and employed by Rome, he had a Jewish or uh, an upbringing um, in the teachings of the Torah and the scriptures. And so he understood. And maybe he even understood some passages concerning the Messiah. We really don't know. We can conjecture as to what he understood. But he understood this, that this itinerant preacher, this rabbi, this faith healer, who had performed incredible miracles and taught the scriptures with incredible authority. He was present. He was in the community. He was passing through. And Zacchaeus was of the mind, I've got to see this man. I may not even ever get to talk to this man, but I need to see him. And so what can we learn of Zacchaeus that we can apply? Well, to our own lives, Zacchaeus sought out Jesus because we can tell he's a seeker at heart. He reached out to him. You don't have to have it all together if you're seeking the Lord. Seekers don't know everything. All they need to know or sense is that inner longing, that void in the heart, that deep down only the Lord God himself can fulfill and fill their lives with meaning and purpose. And so in verse three it says here, uh, Luke 19.3, he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd for his of short stature. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. Zacchaeus did not allow the throngs of people to dissuade him. He didn't allow even his position of high-ranking tax collector under the Roman government. He didn't allow that to dissuade him. It looked kind of silly for him to be climbing up in the tree, but what did Zacchaeus do? He said, I'm going to get a good view of this Jesus who I hear about all the time. And so he climbed up into the tree. He was desperate, you could say, to see this Jesus because deep down, Zacchaeus knew he needed forgiveness. Deep down, he needed to see this very light that Isaiah 9-2 says, the people who walked in darkness, prophetically, the people who walked in darkness in the land have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And on this day, the light of the Son of God was shining on him. Can you imagine? Pretty amazing when you think about it. And so in verse 5 it says, When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down for today. I must stay at your house. That's pretty neat <laughs> when you think about it. You have Jesus, the Son of God, coming to stay at your house. And so he made haste, he came down, he received them joyfully. He couldn't believe it. Here he was coming to his house as a dinner guest. So comes the fine china. You know, this is the amazing thing about Jesus, that 
Jesus always has time for weary, worn sinners. Isn't that wonderful? He took the time for Zacchaeus, someone whom the people hated. He took time for this guy. Just as he took time for Zacchaeus, he receives all who seek him with a pure heart. That's the amazing thing. All who come in humility and meekness. It doesn't matter your, your position in life, the position you hold in your company. It doesn't matter if you're the lowly uh, garbage attendant that picks up garbage on the side of the road or you hold a prestigious uh, position in government. It doesn't matter, does it? Jesus doesn't see that. He sees the heart. He sees the heart. And notice the effect of the light of Christ, his holy presence. Uh, it's caused Zacchaeus to see the ugliness of his own sin. And it brought him to this place where Zacchaeus, in the presence of Jesus, felt compelled to confess that he had indeed taken advantage of his countrymen. He was willing so much so in, in recompense to be able to compensate all he had taken advantage of. And it says here in verse 8 that Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give a half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anybody by false accusation, I restore this fourfold. Four times as much. And what did that evidence? This is a changed life, isn't it? Here's an individual who's in the presence of Christ himself, and when he realizes who Jesus is, he's not going to be the same again, is he? <laughs> he will never be the same again. He was remorseful. And notice Jesus' response in verse 9. It says, Jesus said to him, Today, salvation, you could say deliverance, rescue, safety, has come to this individual's house, to Zacchaeus' house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So when you think of Zacchaeus, if you ever think of him again, he's one who sought Jesus. He didn't allow anything to get in his way. He was a determined individual. It's probably why he got into that high office position as the tax collector over the region that he served in. He didn't allow anything to get between him and the Savior. And God honored that. God honored that with the very presence of Jesus earthly in his presence at his own home. Into his heart and home Jesus came. And he confessed he was a sinner. He received the Lord's salvation. He was once was lost, but now had been found. That's amazing when you think of it. He was a reacher. He was one who reached out and that's the reality for us, or the loved ones, or those we meet every day and rub shoulders with. And you reach out to Jesus. If you're seeking, you will find him. You will find him. Then we come to Luke 18. We're going to backtrack here to Luke 18, verse 35. And we find an individual, we'll call him a person who is shouting. This is the shouter. This is a person who reached out to Jesus. And this is the story of Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus, who showed it until Jesus heard him and granted him an interview. And uh, how do we know his name is Bartimaeus? Uh, in this passage right here in Luke, it does not name him. But in Mark 10, 46, he is actually named. And it's interesting because not very many individuals that were healed were always named. So this individual is prominent enough and important enough, this situation, not that this individual is important per se in society, but he's named here. So in Luke 18.35, we'll go there, Luke 18.35, it says, Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho, Jesus, that a certain blind man sat at the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that it was Jesus of Nazareth that was passing by. So what was Bartimaeus' response? He cried out. 
he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who went before him warned him that he should be quiet, but he cried out all the more, even louder, son of David, have mercy on me. So this man would not take no for an answer. He knew the Savior was near. He knew that Jesus was his only hope to receive his sight. There was no one that could heal him. There was no physician that could cure him. They didn't have anybody that could do eye surgery back then, and if you did, you wouldn't want them to do it. <laughs> no one could help him. But Jesus, they knew he had come from God. He knew he had to come from God. He knew that he had to have the power to heal. He had heard of him, and he cried out and shouted at the top of his lungs over the roar of the crowd to what? Gain Jesus' attention. And though he warned, he was warned over and over to keep silent, this man could not. This is important. <laughs> Don't be silent when Jesus passes by. If you need his attention, call on him. In this case, Bartimaeus hollered out to him. There was nothing that was going to stop him. Don't let people seek to silence you when you're trying to reach out to Jesus. Don't let the enemy of our very souls, the God, lowercase g, of this world, allow you to keep from calling out to Jesus. That's the danger we live in every day, a real spiritual battle. But cry out to the Lord. Let your voice be heard. Gain the Savior's attention. And in verse 40 it says, So Jesus stood still, and commanded him. He got his attention, didn't he? He commanded this individual, Bartimaeus, who was blind, a beggar, to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. He received something worth shouting about. Amen? He didn't let, win 649. He won something greater. He won an audience with the Savior. He won a moment to be with the Savior. He was touched by the Savior. He was healed, uh, healed of his physical infirmity of blindness that kept him as a beggar on the street, begging for his daily bread, who now had his entire life given back to him. Can you imagine the joy that Bartimaeus felt? He was glorifying God. And not only was he glorifying God, but the people around were glorifying God. Everybody that knew of him or knew or saw this take place were amazed. He reached out to him. He touched him. And now he was free. He was redeemed. He was rescued. His eyesight was restored. He was given hope for the future. Are you allowing Jesus to pass by you? What about daily in your relationship with the Lord? Do you allow the cares of life and the world and the deceitfulness of everything that's going on, including what we see in the world today, whether it's government or things that are happening on the world stage, are you allowing all that to just drown out Jesus? To keep you concealed from seeing Jesus, even though you know he's there? Will you remain silent or shout out unashamedly? What if you can't shout? If you feel worn out? Here's something I'll remind you of. Did you know that Jesus can hear your whisper, if that's all you got left, he can hear your whisper like a scream. The Son of God, Redeemer of mankind, the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, he hears your whisper like a scream. Remember, it's the reachers who are reached. Reached out to Jesus, and Jesus reached them. Let's turn to Mark 7. Mark 7, 24. 
turn there, and we're going to find a very sincere individual named here in the scriptures. Mark 7, 24. And we'll find here an individual. She is a Syrophoenician woman. <laughs> Big word. Syrophoenician, I could bring a little more explanation to that. A Syrophoenician woman who would not take no for an answer. She sought Jesus to deliver her daughter who was demon-possessed. Pretty scary stuff. But at the same time, a pretty amazing situation. So she reached out here. She's reaching out in faith. Uh, verse 24, Mark 7, 24 says, From there he arose, went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. Because as you can imagine, he was very tired of being thronged by people. But he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, and you might be surprised at this response. Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. This individual was a mixed pedigree. She was a Canaanite. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 15, verse 21, tells us she was a Canaanite. That included both Syrian and Phoenician descent. She was also Greek. In other words, she was schooled in the Greek culture. She spoke the Greek language. <coughs> and she likely knew little of the God of Israel. She may have known some. Maybe she knew a lot. But she was lost. She was without hope. She knew that her gods, the gods of the world, the false gods could not help her. Undoubtedly, she had prayed. She may have sacrificed to other gods, but to no avail. But she came to the understanding because here's another lady or another individual that heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. She heard that Jesus could help. Maybe she heard of other demon-possessed individuals who was delivered. And so she came. He was the God-man. Only Jesus himself could deliver the evil spirit residing within her daughter. She was not demanding, nor was she disrespectful towards Jesus. She simply understand and recognized that she was likened <clears throat> to a beggarly dog, you could say affectionately, a pet in the household, a pet that is beloved. You might think this is kind of strange the way the wording is here, but we'll bring a little more explanation here. As a Gentile individual, they're kind of standing on the outside. At the temple, there was a place for Gentiles to come to the temple to worship. Uh, there was a place for the Jews, for the, for the people of Israel. <clears throat> but here, a beggarly dog, a pet, as it were, a Gentile individual, outside of the promises of God, the ordinance of God, the worship of God, eating crumbs from the table of God's chosen people. She knew it. She knew she was unworthy. She made it known. She recognized that God had set Israel as his chosen people, as a light to the world. She, she understood. God revealed himself to his people through the people of Israel. And true worship came from them. And in Matthew 15, 22, when she's quoted there, she said, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She recognized Jesus. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, not even the little dogs under the table, under the table eat from the children's crumb. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this saying, go your way, the demon's gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. 
the Syrophoenician woman of a mixed descent, mixed understanding, different belief structures, probably all together. Probably one who was, they considered the Greeks to be quite sophisticated in their understanding of many things. That was the culture then. And these were just simple Hebrew people, didn't know what they were talking about, right? This woman trusted Jesus. She was sincere. She came humbly to Jesus. She came believing in Jesus. She was persistent in requesting help for deliverance. And Jesus wants that same sincerity from us. How can we be sincere today? How can we be sincere? Well, be persistent. There's this thing called prayer. Some days I practice it more than others. Some days I fail miserably. And you're probably there too. But call upon Jesus. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Be sincere. Come to Christ God's way. Jesus doesn't want you coming another way. In this case, the Greeks were very sophisticated. They thought they had all different kinds of ways. Maybe all ways converged into one. It's not the truth, is it? The self-help books and all these different things that people might have looked to in our day and age, maybe they had similar things. They were looking to other things other than the God who created them. They were deceived But Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so this woman came sincere in sincerity. Don't fashion your own gods like the heathen do. Be humble, come by faith, reach out to Jesus and he'll reach out to you. And so today we we examined these individuals who reached out. There are individuals who release their inhibitions and they set out because they either heard of Jesus or knew that he was passing by and they came to him. They reached out to him. We remember the sick woman who reached out in faith, touched the hem of Jesus' garment, was healed and restored to society. We remember Zacchaeus, the seeker who sought to see Jesus, who had welcomed him into his heart and home. He was remorseful. His life, though, was completely changed in that time with Jesus. Yours can be too. Remember the shoulder, blind Bartimaeus, who had showed it to Jesus. This individual was reached by Jesus. He was restored. He could see physically. Now he could see spiritually as well. Amazing. Remember the sincere Syrophoenician woman who sought Jesus to cast the evil spirit from her daughter. She reached out, and Jesus reached out to her and her daughter. How amazing. She had heard about Jesus. When we think of that, as we think of these reachers who were reached by Jesus, just think of how just in casual conversation, when we say that we have personally reached out to Jesus, how that can affect somebody else. They might hear, and they might reach out when Jesus passes by. Something to think about. Something to consider this morning. Now it's almost afternoon. So let's close in a word of prayer. And uh, thank you for your attention. And keep Jeremy and Chris in in their prayers. I know Jeremy is preaching tonight um, in his father-in-law's church, I understand. And they're away, and he's been up on the roof. Anybody's seen the, the video on Facebook of him doing some roofing? Um, I'm glad he's young and can do that. I wouldn't want to be dragging those bundles of, of uh, asphalt shingles up those uh, ladders. But anyway, let's, uh, let's just take a moment and pray. Father God, we are truly thankful that we're in your presence. And Lord, we know when we depart this place, We're not leaving you behind. It's not like we only see you on Sunday. For when we're in the car, going to work, or we're going to the mall, or we're going to just sit at a home, drinking a cup of tea, you're there in the midst. 
and uh, we can call upon you. We can reach out to you. We're thankful that we serve a living God who lives and hears us, whether we cry out loud or we whisper and you hear it like a scream. We thank you today, Lord, for the powerful life of Jesus Christ and how that powerful life can reside in each of our hearts and lives. And Lord, if there be anyone who seriously doubts this person, the person of Jesus, Lord, let them cry out for help. Let them cry out to uh, individuals in the church, our Pastor Jeremy, or myself, or others, to reach out. Our Lord, if there's questions, to reach out. And uh, Lord, to be at peace with who you are. Lord, we look forward to your coming again. We look forward that the King of Kings has not left us abandoned on this big dirt ball in outer space. But Lord, you are in control. You're coming again. And we can look with great anticipation, even with excitement. Lord, let us not uh, go about this life in a haphazard manner where we will be ashamed. And many times I have thought myself, I am so ashamed somehow, sometimes of my lack of faith, my lack of commitment. Lord, you know. You know our hearts. Um, Lord, restore us to a love and a joy that maybe have been gone for years. Maybe we once experienced a close relationship where we could reach out and <laughs> almost like physically touching you, Lord. You were there. We knew it. Now we doubt it. Lord, help us in our unbelief. Let us doubt no more of your very present and that you're very near. We commit our ways to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. Have a great day. Enjoy the, enjoy the day. <laughs>